A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, say, sorry, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. You may have a seat. From the boundless expanses of his wisdom to the unfathomable depths of his mercy, we study God's nature in order to illuminate the contours of a God whose greatness eludes definition. May this exploration awaken a sense of reverence, humility, and wonder within your soul as we journey together into this boundless and eternal nature of God, encountering the one whose attributes are not just lofty ideals, but living truths that shape the very fabric of our reality. As we draw closer to the source of all existence, May we stand in awe of him who defies comparison, for there is none like him. Am I on? Yeah? Cool. How are you guys? Good. <clears throat> you guys know the drill. You can't tell me if you're not doing well, but I'm happy to hear you're doing well if you are. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Russell Woods. I am a pastor here on staff at Rise, the young adults pastor. I'm also the city group's pastor. Occasionally, <clears throat> they let me preach. So um, before I begin, uh, I just wanted to tell you this whole preaching thing for me has been quite a whirlwind. And I wanted to first say just thank you for being you and being such a great, loving community to learn to preach in front of. You're all very beautiful, which also helps. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I also want to say, as I've been learning this journey, you, you have to grow exponentially in self-awareness when a lot of people are looking at you. And what I begin to learn is I have a pretty intense face, okay? <laughs> a couple months ago, Jason and I were having a meeting. We were talking about preaching and communication, and he's been coaching me through this last year, and he just said to me, Russell, you are one of the most intense people I've ever met. <laughs> and I said, Really? Um, that was a joke. Um, but I'm starting to learn a lot about myself. I have three kids and my youngest boy, Rowan. Those are my three. Um, my youngest boy, though, if we could zoom in, is basically a carbon copy of me. <laughs> that He's smiling. He's smiling. And, and then the, the next photo, you, you start to see this resemblance between him and I. And, and you start to, yeah, you see it, right? You see that, that face and... Um, Anyways, all that to say, I need you to hear me today that following Jesus is my joy, okay? I know I can come a bit intense with it, but, um, oh, let's see, yeah, 
See his face? Look at that. He's smiling again. That's, that is what I'm working with here too, genetically. Okay. So now that we've got the, the air cleared, let's pray and ask the Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. I just empty myself right now that you might speak. We as a community empty ourselves so you might speak. We're longing for more than a good message. We're longing for more than a good set of worship. We're longing to encounter you here this morning. So would you speak? You are welcome here in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're talking today about the glory of God. Today is our last uh, day in the series, None Like Him. Have you all enjoyed this series? Yes. Yeah, me too. It's been so good to just remember who our God is. And we're ending today talking about the glory of God. God is glorious. And I want to just begin right, right at the start defining his glory for you. The glory of the Lord is the Lord. I'm going to say that again. The glory of the Lord is the Lord. Is someone awake this morning? Are you hearing the words coming out of my mouth? The glory of God is God. The glory of Jesus is Jesus. The glory of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. We'll tease that out later. I want to begin with a question this morning. If Jesus manifestly came in the room this morning, how would you feel? If he man- yeah, me too, a little bit. If he manifestly came into the room this morning, how would you feel? Let's get a little end times with it this morning. If Jesus came back, would you be excited? Or do you have a few things going on you'd like to, him to wait a little bit? Does eternity excite you where we will be sitting at his feet worshiping him? For me personally, for a long time in my faith, my vision of Jesus made heaven really boring. We can be honest with each other this morning, okay? If Jesus came in the room, would you weep as if seeing an old friend? Or would he be so unfamiliar to you that you might miss him coming here? What I'm driving at is a deeper question. Do we, as a church, love Jesus? Now, when you're in conversation with people within the church who who believe in God, um, you're talking about someone else, you say, oh yeah, they love Jesus. What we mean conversationally, at least in my experience, oh yeah, he loves Jesus, oh yeah, she loves Jesus. Chick-fil-A, they love Jesus. That means, that in conversation, that just means that they believe in Jesus. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that we love him. Are you with me? Believing in Jesus is not loving him. I'm not, I should preface this because I need to do this in the last service. I am not trying to get anyone in this room this morning to question your salvation. Now I'm I'm (laughs) scot-free. But I am asking, do you love him this morning? I think most of you believe in him. Do you like him? Is he beautiful to you yet? 
Is he precious to you yet? Or if you're like me, I've realized last few years, familiarity in the church around him has bred contempt for him. In our text this morning, Moses asks God to show him his glory. And what we learn is God will not share his glory, his manifest presence with his people unless they show him that they want it. And God cannot show us more of himself until we are ready for it. So we're going to get to our teaching text today, but first I want to start in Exodus chapter 3. This is the burning bush story. Anyone heard of this story? Anyone seen that DreamWorks? Is that a DreamWorks movie, The Prince of Egypt? Is that DreamWorks? Great movie. Yeah, just watch that movie. You don't need to hear me talk. Um, Here's what it says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock into the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. A couple things here. Moses, if, uh, I think, th- I'm speaking to Sunday school knowledge. I think most of you got most of this, okay? So Moses, at this point in his life, is 80 years old. Some of you older saints, can you imagine? You just clocked in for retirement, and then you have to free a bunch of Israelites? I, I get Moses' interaction and stubbornness a little bit. I'm 80, can you just leave me be here? 80 years old, and he's been doing the shepherding thing in the wilderness for 40 years. And notice here, in his day-to-day rhythm, he takes his sheep and he orients his life and his rhythms to the mountain of God. Every day, going to where he would encounter God. My friends, We live in Amazon Prime next day delivery. Moses waited 40 years to have the burning bush encounter. Are you with me? He does not come on our timeline, and because we're Americans, he comes much slower than we like. I ordered Amazon Prime a while ago, and they came like four hours after I pushed the button. I'm like, did they drop you out of the sky? What is going on? It's amazing, Jeff. Good job. (laughs) Moses has this miraculous encounter with God, but can you just put yourself in his place for a bit? 40 years, I've never been a shepherd in the wilderness, but I imagine he had some boring days. I imagine he, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they had Instagram back then. He's just sitting out there with the sheep in the wilderness waiting on God. But 40 years of going to the place where he might meet God. Really interesting. Continue on with me in verse 2. We're going to be in our Bibles a lot today. Buckle up. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Moses, day after day, going to the mountain, orienting his life to God, unto God, is learning how to see God. 
And before he can have breakthrough moment of the fire of God, he had to have days where he was bored with God. Are you with me this morning? If you go to the quiet place with Jesus and you are bored, you're not alone, and that's part of the job. Because in being bored, he is stripping away you for him. That's a different teaching. Now we get to verse four. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Moses said, here I am. It's really interesting to me that God didn't call Moses out of the bush when he's walking by. When did he call Moses, Moses? When he turned aside to see. Only when God saw Moses turning aside to see. It's like God wants to be pursued by us. It's like he wants to be pursued by us. It's like he longs to be turned aside for. Really interesting. And then Moses responds with this beautiful three words, here I am. My experience and what I know of the life of prayer with God is boiled down to these three words. Here I am. God, here I am. It's been a rough day, but here I am. God, here I am. It's been a terrible season, but here I am. God, it's been a really good season, and still here I am. I am. I think Moses for years and years has shown up to the Lord saying, here I am. And then he hears God speak to him. And that is what begins this journey through the Exodus story. You all know the people of God get liberated from Egypt. By the way, if you're ever reading Exodus, Pharaoh is meant to be another picture of the serpent. That's for free. They walk through the 10 plagues. They walk through dry land, through the Red Sea. And then they're walking through the wilderness. And the climax of Exodus is not liberation from Egypt. It was, is the creator of the universe revealing himself on a mountain. That is the climax of the book. And the story of Exodus is a story about God giving more and more of himself, healing, liberation, and miracles, giving his people everything they could want, and still being rejected by them. That is the story of Exodus. And we get to Exodus 32, and God has descended on Sinai, and his presence is there, and Moses goes up to the mountain to hear him for 40 days, which he has done already before. And then in Exodus 32, we have Genesis 3 happen all over again, where a golden calf comes out of the furnace. The people build the golden calf they collect all their gold and they hammer away to make the statue to worship something, not Yahweh. All the while, the manifest glory and thunder is still on the mountain. 
It is literally, they can turn and see him and they still make the golden calf. Are you with me this morning? Are you into the story a little bit? Okay. When God sends Moses to liberate Israel, he says to say on his behalf to Pharaoh, let my people go. You guys know that line, right? Let my people go. Let my people go. And when they build the golden calf, God says to Moses, go down for your people have defiled themselves. Do you feel the hurt and betrayal this morning? Do we know Jesus to have a heart that is this human and this tender? Do we understand that our relational God, we can hurt him? We can break his trust, we can grieve his spirit? You can't undo Calvary in your life, but you can create distance from his presence. How often do we do things in life forgetting that he's in the room with us? How often do we build golden calves and do things in our life when he's just revealed how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and I am right in the room? Please don't. The more you walk with God, the harder it is to sin because he's more real to you. You don't get more moral. He becomes more real. And it's in this chaos, this moment of heartbreak and betrayal that we are supposed to feel with our hearts as he says, go down to your people. It's in this chaos that Moses asks God, please show me your glory. Think of all the things Moses could have asked. God, can you give me a new people and a new job? That's what I would have asked. God, can I just kind of go back to shepherding at your mountain with you and me alone? That sounds so much better. He just asked to see the Lord. Please show me your glory. Now, if you ask me today, Russell, please show me your glory. I would say that's a very awkward question. Consider rephrasing. <laughs> I'll cut that for the 4 p.m. That was too much. Um, <laughs> if you ask me, Russell, what is the most glorious, beautiful thing about you? I would give you a list of all the things in my life that are not me. I would first talk to you about Jesus and I would talk to you about my wife and my kids. I would talk to you about all the free gifts I've been given in Jesus. And if you asked me, what's the coolest, most glorious thing about you? And I said to you, you're looking at it. You, you walk away. Just walk away. But Moses asks God, God, show me your glory, please. And then God says, here's my back. Here I am. God, what is the most glorious, beautiful thing about you? The same God who made the world, who made the galaxies, who made deep sea underwater raves and golden retrievers. That same God who owns and sustains all of this, the chairs we're sitting on, 
Thank Jesus that he continues to uphold them by his word. God, show me your glory. And he says to Moses, here's my back because you cannot handle my face. The most beautiful thing I can show you is myself and it's my back. I am talking today about experientially knowing God. To see his glory is to have an experience and encounter with him. Have y'all seen these guys who do the base jumping with the squirrel suits? You know what I'm talking about? I, they're not called squirrel suits, but I got kids and we just do squirrels is on the brain. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they jump, they base jump, and they, like a squirrel, and they fly, right? You got, anyone else watch YouTube? You guys watch this, right? Okay, yeah. I see, I saw a video recently of two dudes jumping off a cliff and they catch a plane. I just book a flight like the rest of us, you know? But I imagine when I watch those videos, I imagine that they just didn't start off trying to catch planes midair. I imagine they got with a couple buddies and said, let's go skydive Oregon and latch ourselves to the instructor, right? And that started something in that we call, we call this adrenaline junkie, right? Where you get a hit that one day, and then you need another hit the next time, and then the next time, and the next time, and all of a sudden you're jumping off a cliff trying to catch a plane. <laughs> Which I guess is not the worst thing if you're flying Alaska, but. <laughs> it was our airport, okay? Um, I'm going on a flight in a week, and uh, I'm flying Alaska, and that story's in my brain. <clears throat> Please latch the door. Okay. <laughs> Adrenaline junkies, they need another hit. But those of you who have walked through addiction, you know what I'm talking about, too. Addiction to porn, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is in your life that's unhealthy, you need a taste, and then a taste leads to more of a taste, and the taste leads to a feast, and then one day the thing you ran to is destroying you and holding you captive. But Jesus, the presence of Jesus, is the only substance in the universe that you can get addicted to that will lead you to life. I am talking about addiction to the manifest presence of God. I'm not talking about believing in him. I'm talking about experiencing him this morning. I know that makes a lot of us uncomfortable living in 2024, but I am actually talking about experiencing the living God. Psalm 34, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be the same, be ashamed. Most of us in this room believe in Jesus. But our lives, we find our lives and our hearts and our ways still lacking power and authority and freedom. There's continued slavery to sin. And I think this is because we do not yet love God. Not believe in God. I think we do not yet love him. We want his blessings, but we don't want him. We want his breakthrough, but we're not ready to break oil onto his feet and anoint his head. We want to sit in his favor, but we're not sitting at his feet. 
But when you taste his presence, you will get addicted for more. When you taste the real thing, you will become unrelenting for more. If you're struggling for victory in your life, you know, for, for Jason, Jordan, and I, we, we're all for counseling. We're all for recovery programs. We're all for all the things. But I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our things and in our struggles, we forget sometimes what we need to do is get off of our problems and look to him. Because if you're encountering the burning one in your room when the door is closed and you're actually seeking him, there's healing in his wings. Is someone with me this morning? There is healing in his wings. And he loves us so much that he'll still love us even when we're just after the wings, just after the healing, just after all his benefits. But when we turn the focus to actually wanting him, we get all the stuff. We get addicted to the presence, but addiction is not the best word for what I'm talking about today. Friendship is. What does it mean to be friends with Jesus? Exodus 33, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would, come, would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. What's happening here for the people is they're incorporating a sense and a rhythm of honoring Moses and his relationship to Yahweh. And what's important to, to, to realize here, maybe some of your experiences in the church, you haven't had this experience yet, but there are people who have walked with God in such intimacy that you feel God glowing out from them. The biblical precedent is literally the story we're in. The shining face of Moses. He has to veil himself later in the story because his encounter with the living one is so real and authentic, others cannot even get close to Moses. When you've been around someone who's been close to the king, it's amazing. You walk away from conversations with them thinking, in the nicest way possible, that guy does not care what I think about him. In the nicest way possible, she does not care what I think about her. There's a burning in their eyes, there's a peace in their hearts, and there's an unrelenting pursuit going on behind the scenes that changes someone. This is called the more of God. I am not trying to get anyone in this room to question and go home today, oh, am I saved? No, I'm trying to question, make you question, is there more of God that I have access to? Spoiler, yes. Yes, there is. Exodus 33, verse 7, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Moses. 
And when all the people saw that the pillar of cloud was standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Friendship with God. Do you see the progression of the story even today, how we've started in the burning bush where there's distance? Take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. Be careful. Don't approach. And now we're close again. Now we're face to face. Now we're, ex, or we're Genesis 2, God breathing in the face of Adam and Eve, intimacy all over again. Moses lived a life unto and for Yahweh, and he got him. He discovered intimacy with God. Intimacy and trust and comfortability in relationships come with time. Right? Why do we think it's so different with our God who created us in his image? The relational one. Can I peel back a, a, a church, a, a pastor's curtain for you for a second? I'm gonna do it. I like to get your permission though, it makes me feel better. Many pastors celebrate people coming to their church once a month because in America, once a month church attendance is regular church attendance. If you showed up to your job once a month and you said, I'm regularly showing up for work, your boss would say, well, you're regularly fired, right? If I showed up to my marriage once a month and said, I'm, 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 being, I'm regularly attending this marriage. My wife would say, we are regularly attending counseling and church discipline. Good Lord. But she wouldn't say it like me. She'd say, she'd still say nice. Okay. <laughs> Many of us believe in Jesus, but we don't like him yet. We don't love him yet because he doesn't show up in our calendars, our rhythms, or our time. Do you know how you spell love in relationship? It's T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love in your marriage. That's how you spell love with your children. That's how you spell love with community. It is also how you spell love with God the Father. And I think we've boiled down our faith often at times to the get out of hell free card. And I think God would love to be treated as father, not vending machine. Are we too busy for him? My friends, Jesus will not come to you like your Netflix show. He's coming to you as a person I love to talk about and pray. I am praying for revival in our region, in our area, in our church.
but do you know what happens when revival happens? I love talking about revival with y'all because I think y'all want it too. I can feel it in the room. Most times I bring it up. We're all wanting this. We're all wanting a revival in our families, revival in our region, revival in our land. But when the manifest God reveals himself, people are falling on their face in worship and worship and prayer and repentance go on for days. So why would God trust us with revival if we cannot give him five minutes a day? Moses had favor with God, relationship, capital, and trust with God. Why would God trust us with more if we don't want more? But there's really good news for us. There's really good news for us. I know I've been a little intense. This is an intense message. Before Jesus dies for his crucifixion, in John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And the last thing he's thinking about and praying about before his final moments is you and I. How beautiful. And this is what he says. Knowing he's about to go to Calvary, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This is Jesus praying to the Father. Y'all, there's one prayer that was not answered for Jesus. It was take this cup from me, but just one. Everything else that Jesus asks of the Father, he gets. Philippians 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. We do not have a Moses figure anymore going to the presence on our behalf. Because of the blood of Jesus 2,000 years ago, you and I have nearness to God. The presence of the Shekinah glory that they had to build a box to contain and a cloud would cover it, now that spirit is in you and I. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you and I. Can someone say amen this morning? That is in you and I. But we live on minimum wage with Jesus when we've won the lottery. Do you know who is living inside of you? The glory of Jesus is the face of Jesus, is the spirit of Jesus in you now. So how do we move forward in this? I think every one of you is hungry for more of God. It's so simple. We show up like Moses and we say to him, here I am. Is your time, your love, 
with God at zero right now, if you move that to two minutes a day, you're, you're doing amazing. He is looking for you to succeed. He's not arms crossed wanting more. He is not expecting you to copy and paste my devotional life to yours. He's asking, what is your yes? And if we as the church begin to give him our yeses, he will become welcome here. And he will make a resting place here. And he will come here regularly and with healing and power and deliverance in his wings. But we have to want him, not his stuff. Jesus, here I am. If you pray that prayer and you sit with him for five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes a day, your life will change. I promise you. And if we all sit there, our region might change. If we all sit there, we might get the more of God, which is revival. Jesus, we love you, but we want to love you more. Jesus, wherever familiarity has bred contempt, would you break down those walls this morning? Whatever strongholds and sins and addictions, whatever we are going through this morning, teach us to look at you again. Teach us what it means to be devoted to you. Teach us as, a, as a, a church to know what does it mean to wait on you? What does it mean to persevere for more? We believe, help us with our unbelief. We say in faith that we want you here, Jesus. We actually want to want you. We want to love you. We want to like you. Help us change our hearts. Move us from glory to glory in your presence and in your spirit. Jesus, we repent communally as a church when we have accepted or expected just good services and good messages when the power of God is available to move? Would you enter into each of our hearts with a holy discontent for more? Would we just be addicted to your presence and would we become your friends so you might trust us with yourself, with your glory, Jesus? Holy Spirit, come. Do your ministry here today. In Jesus' name, amen.